Life isn't about avoiding the bruises. It's about collecting the scars to prove that we showed up for it. Join Nikki Seberini for the next hour as she explores heroism through illness. There is a warrior inside each of us. This is LifeLinks with the DL Link. LifeLinks is a funding initiative of the DL Link. Dr. Ridwan Mir, who is really one of the leading plastic and reconstructive surgeons. Um, he's a member of the Association of Plastic and Reconstructive Surgeons of South Africa. And he currently runs private practices at the Netcare Sunning Hill Hospital, the Santon Medi Clinic, and the Garden City Hospital in Johannesburg. And, um, you know, he's done amazing things and he's, he's got so many awards. Um, but he does a lot with Children of Fire. In fact, he's a trustee on the Burns charity Children of Fire. He's an active member of the Smile Foundation, um, which we've spoken about before. Um, you know, operating on young children with facial and hand deformities. So he's continually giving to the community. And once again, um, this afternoon, um, to spend some time with us to talk about this uh, reconstructive surgery. So, Dr. Ridwan Mia, welcome. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Nikki. Thanks for having me. So I'd like to start off just by identifying or, or maybe just looking at the difference between reconstructive surgery and cosmetic or plastic surgery. What is the difference? Um, Nikki, they are two uh, very broad fields within the realm of plastic surgery. Uh, aesthetic or cosmetic surgery refers to any kind of surgery that's done more electively and done to improve appearance for the sake of helping someone's confidence along or to change a, you know, a part of the body that someone's just perhaps unhappy with or would like it just refined a little bit. Um, or in some cases a lot. When it comes to reconstructive surgery, we're looking at the other uh, more more encompassing field of plastic surgery. We reconstruct defects or, um, you know, secondary to trauma, to other surgery, uh, to birth defects uh, and, and restore normality or what we, we perceive as normality or at best functionality in a, in a patient. So, um, you know, if somebody was injured and has a defect uh, on any part of the body, has a cancer removed, or they're born with a defect and it's to reconstruct those defects. Thank you so much for that. So in terms of cancer and reconstructive surgery, I think the first, uh, the most obvious um, for me certainly that comes to mind would be um, breast surgery. So uh, after a lumpectomy or a mastectomy. So let's go there first um, for any of our mm -hmm. listeners um, who perhaps have been for the surgery or still have to go for the surgery. Again, once an, a, a, a distinction, the difference between a mastectomy and a lumpectomy to me and what impact that would have on reconstructive surgery? Yes, so uh, it also depends on the size and the type of tumor that uh, a patient unfortunately would have developed. Uh, so the type of cancer, so we form cancer from different types of cells within the breasts um, and they they could they would then determine how fast or how aggressive the cancer would become and the size at the time of diagnosis and the number of lesions. That would determine whether you would just need a simple lumpectomy so you can remove uh, part of the of the breast. You just remove the simple lump. Um, you know, sometimes you would do a diagnosis beforehand. So we do what's called a fine needle aspirate. So we put in a little needle, suck out a few cells and then test that and then 
that would determine what kind of cancer it is and if cancer is at all. If it's a benign lump that's just causing pain or other symptoms, we can just simply remove that lump. If it's a cancerous lump that's small enough and of a non-aggressive type of cancer, we can simply just remove the lump as well and that would be termed a lumpectomy. Um, mastectomy would be reserved for those cancers that are much larger usually larger than between two and five centimeters, depending on the type of cancer and uh, whether there be more more than one lesion and whether there has been spread and involvement of the nipple and the areola complex as well. And then you would remove the whole breast. Most people that I speak to, and certainly on the show with the breast cancer, they usually go for therapy, I beg your pardon, for surgery after they've had treatment. So the the tumor has shrunk. Is is that how it normally works, that the, that the surgery after treatment? Yes, that is applicable in some patients. Again, also depending on how aggressive the tumor is, what type of tissue the tumor originates in. And that would that would then determine whether or not they qualify for what we call neoadjuvant therapy. And that includes chemotherapy and it may it may also include radiotherapy. Both are aimed at shrinking the tumor to make surgery uh, more palatable to make it uh, less aggressive. So it means we'll have to remove less of the breast if possible. But also sometimes, even if the breast is going to be removed, it's uh, sometimes in the, in the favor of the patient to have chemotherapy or radiotherapy beforehand, shrink the tumor down, reduce its aggressiveness, and uh, that would make surgery better and, and prevent spread of the tumor away from the chest to other parts of the body. How long would you normally have to wait um, after treatment before you can perform surgery? Usually it depends. Uh, it, it's uh, usually, sometimes you can do it within a week of, of the chemotherapy ending, but very often we would work uh, in tandem with the uh, oncology oncology doctors and they, they would then advise, but it can be anywhere between one and six weeks after the all the cycles of chemotherapy or radiotherapy have been completed. I was going back to the surgery and just for a combination of the emotional aspect of it, you know, you're dealing with women who have had to go through a a long haul of treatment, all different, as you said, it could be the chemotherapy and the radiotherapy. And now the idea of a mastectomy or double mastectomy, what, what is your approach? What do you say to women who have been diagnosed, who are going through the, the treatment, who have to have the, the surgery? What do you usually say to them? So it's, uh, you know, what we call breaking bad news uh, to a patient is quite a long process. It's something that as plastic surgeons, we, we tend to get involved at a later stage, but it's quite a long process where we have to engage the patient and usually family members as well and take them through what to expect in the months ahead uh, and sometimes even years ahead, uh, you know, in terms of being fully treated and hopefully fully cured from from the illness. Um, it's usually something that is uh, you know done by the general uh, stroke breast surgeon who we work uh, together with on these patients. And uh, counseling happens with a social worker, psychologist, and sometimes even psychiatrist to help the patient through it with modification of daily uh, routine, 
with a different approach or mindset and, uh, you know, having to encourage them and motivate them and, and definitely involving family members as well to educate them about the nature of the tumor. Uh, you know, usually it's, it's changing behavior, like uh, perhaps risky behavior like smoking. Um, sometimes one has to change their work environment, levels of stress, etc., which might help them to recover sooner. Uh, so, so there's lots of modifications that need to be done uh, from the patient side as well. But from an emotional point of view, it's very taxing and the patients really need lots of counseling and they need their hands to be held uh, all the way through uh, the, the entire period of being treated and, and for some time afterwards. Yeah, I'm sure it's a very different experience. I mean, you, you were just uh, outlining the difference between the cosmetic surgery and, and the reconstructive. The cosmetic surgery, I'm sure you're dealing with patients who are very excited about changing something in their body for, you know, the better. Um, and we're then working with someone who you're, you're trying to help after they've been through all sorts of treatment. Um, what, what other uh, reconstructive surgery, doctor, do you do pertaining to cancer? So I'm thinking skin cancers, um, if you're having to remove any part of the body, what, what, what have you personally worked on? So um, we do a lots of head and neck cancer reconstructive surgery. We call them commando procedures often because they involve working with the ENT and the maxillofacial surgeons at times, uh, sometimes even other surgeons like ophthalmological surgeons who remove tumors from around the head and neck area inside the mouth very often. Uh, remember a big complication of smoking. We see uh, cancers anyway from the lips all the way down to the, uh, you know, going into the lungs and so on, but in, in the airway, in the throat area, the nose area, even on the face itself. And then as you correctly said, skin cancers, which can occur anywhere on the sun exposed areas more specifically. So head in, head in the face and, uh, and those tumors can sometimes grow or, or invade quite deeply. So we do lots of reconstruction to the head and neck area, but also on the trunk, uh, other, other areas, we get uh, what we call sarcomas, so soft tissue tumors that develop on the back, on the, anywhere on the tummy, uh, wall, or even on the chest. And then um, sometimes you can get large tumors on the lower limbs as well that need to be removed and need reconstruction. So we very often do uh, leg uh, or foot reconstructions secondary to removal of, of cancers as well. And at what point do you come in? I mean, a little bit earlier, you were talking about working closely with the, the surgeon, the, the breast surgeon, for example. When would you, when would you come? So I asked you about the treatments um, and waiting if you, if, you know, after the, the treatment, when you would do any kind of reconstructive surgery in terms of the breast. But the rest of the body, at what stage are you, are you called in? I often work uh, with other specialty surgeons as what we call a multidisciplinary approach and they would often involve us quite early on when they're planning the resection of a, of a tumor then they would send the patient to us usually with scans and you know the histology results of qualifying what kind of tumor it is and so on and when the decision is made to resect or remove the tumors uh, they would do that in liaising with us as well and we would plan the reconstruction with the patient from an early stage already so way before the surgery is ever contemplated the reconstruction is also thought about because unfortunately in some patients who are perhaps uh, too unhealthy unfit or perhaps even too old to withstand big surgery sometimes we have to make a decision about whether a cancer is resectable or not perhaps it has spread too far um, as i said the patient may not be well enough 
or for, for any other reason, there, there, there may be a contraindication to reconstruction. So those, you know, all those boxes need to be ticked beforehand so that the patient can be approved for reconstructive surgery and those particular defects can be addressed. So, so we are involved quite early. And usually when the patient comes to theater, you, you know, they, they see a team of doctors uh, and nurses around them who are all going to be addressing different parts. So very often, um, while the cancer or the tumor is being removed, uh, the plastic or reconstructive surgeon is on another part of the body already uh, operating on that to, to move the, uh, you know, the tissue that's going to reconstruct uh, the affected part. Oh, wow. Yeah, because, of course, um, reconstructive surgery, um, you're using a different body part or some skin or whatever from, from the body. That's how the reconstructive surgery works, right? Yes. Um, so sometimes it would be a simple operation where you would do something called a local flap or even a skin graft to reconstruct the defect. But very often we would do what's called a free flap. So that would mean that it's a composite of tissue, including the skin, the subcutaneous fat, uh, muscle often. And we would need to bring the blood vessels in and often nerves as well into the process and attach those to blood vessels in the area next to where the tumor has been removed from so that that tissue can now become revitalized or, or, or have blood supply to, to keep it alive uh, to reconstruct the area where you've removed tissue from. It really does depend on how much needed to be resected and what area of the body or what function that area has so that they can be durable and effective coverage of the area involved. It's remarkable. I think the job that you do is Absolutely incredible, Dr. Mia. Um, thank you for that. And, and thank you for the wonderful explanation that you gave us. Before I say goodbye, though, I mean, it has been a challenging year for everybody. And you do so much work beyond, um, you know, the reconstructive and the, the cosmetic um, surgery. I mentioned the children of fire. You're a trustee. You've worked a lot with that and also um, with the Smile Foundation. How has that um how has that worked over this time? I mean, with, with, with young children, have you been as active um, with COVID? Have you been allowed to be as active? Nikki, at the beginning of the lockdown uh, in 2020, there was uh, lots of limitation on the surgery that we were doing. We had to postpone all the sort of non-urgent or non-emergent surgery. And uh, we only started doing that much later. Uh, so only about by June or July last year did we begin the surgery uh, again. Uh, so it hasn't been going at the same rate as we normally do, uh, but but we we have been active and we have been operating on patients, obviously with lots of restrictions and with lots of uh, limitations in the sense that uh, visitation has been limited. Uh, we've had to screen all our patients for COVID before being admitted, that sort of thing. Uh, so all the necessary precautions have been in place. So certainly the rate of surgery or operating has decreased from a you know fr from a charitable point of view but uh, but they're still going we, we are still going and we hope that we'll we'll make up the backlog in time mm, well that's good to hear that it is still going um dr mia as always it is such a pleasure to have you on the show um you are so inspiring and you're doing just a, a wonderful job so thank you so much we appreciate your very precious time it's only a pleasure good afternoon Nikki, and, and, and to the listeners 
Thank you so much, Dr. Ridwan Mia. Um, we've had him on the show before, as I've said before, always a pleasure, a leading plastic and reconstructive surgeon here in Johannesburg, a member of the Association of Plastic and Reconstructive Surgeons. And uh, Dr. Mia runs private practices at the NetCare Sunninghill Hospital, Santon Mediclinic and the Garden City Hospital in Johannesburg. So there it is, um, reconstructive surgery explained.